one of the young women they interviewed said, you know, that they were very pleasantly surprised at all the sugar mummies that they'd met because there was quite a lot of professional mentorship involved. <laughs> Tell me more. Are you serious? This, this is a business that will target German shepherds if they have enough money to pay. My name is Kathleen Stock. And my name is Julie Bindle. And this is the Lesbian Project podcast, all the sapphic traffic for anyone who wants a bit more lesbian in their life. So how are you doing, Julie? I'm okay. Um, I'm overworked, obviously, but naturally, you know, I've been well, of course, and and, and a martyr. I'm currently nailed to a cross here. <laughs> but so let's hear about what you've been up to first. Uh, well, I am also um, working, uh, writing, as you know. Um, I had to write about the vagina monologues this week, uh, which you can read in Unheard if you're, anyone's interested. But I was also an expert witness in the Amy Ham Tribunal in Canada this week. Mm. Um, so she's a nurse that's been um, taken to a disciplinary by her own professional organization, College of Nursing in um, British Columbia, for, for instance, putting up a poster saying, I heart JK Rowling <laughs> and making some other statements in favor of uh, sex-based rights. So. I was on the defence. Um, it's taken months, if not years, to get to this point because they, the opposition have contested every single thing, including that I should even be an expert witness. Um, they tried to throw me out. They did not succeed, but they threw some other witnesses out. Um, so, but And did you say, Kathleen, did you say I've been thrown out of better places than this? <laughs> I'm sure it's true. I've been thrown out of better places than a slightly... Uh, sad looking zoom mm. <laughs> I mean it was a bit surreal because um, from my perspective you know it was was a quite a sad zoom that I was involved in with some quite depressive looking people all the the lawyers looked a bit depressed and um, there was very various technical problems so it was a bit like being back as an academic where you end up in zooms where everyone's just a bit sad mm. it was reported in the national post the next day I don't think CBC are going near my testimony with a barge pole um, because they like a nice simple story of transphobic bigots. Yes, um, as far as I can see. Well, your testimony was brilliant, I have to say, and thank you. I'm not the only one that said that. I was at dinner last night with some lesbians, and you were sorely missed. And Mm -hmm. one of our topics of conversation was how brilliant you were. And uh, you know, I've met Amy. I saw her in Vancouver a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. when I was over visiting the Vancouver Rape Relief women who are superb and they have a great lesbian collective there by the way mm-hmm. and you know what what is really horrifically interesting is that the lawyer that took a case against Vancouver Rape Relief when they refused to allow a, a man a trans woman to cancel rape victims mm. and they were taken through 20 years of litigation it's the same lawyer as the one that is now um, acting for the organization that's trying to you know that that disciplined Amy Ham. So mm-hmm. interesting she, continuation. She's called Barbara Finley, and as far as I know, she won't use any capital letters in her name uh, for, for political reasons. A bit like uh, you know, a kind of pound shop bell hooks. And I mean, she's got she's <laughs> actually got blue hair. I'm sorry. Sometimes stereotypes. There's always a kernel of truth, isn't there? She has got. Blue well, hair. I'm not. I can't. I'm not going to say anything either way because no. I would not want to. Uh, uh, outcome uh, sorry influence the outcome in any negative way there but um yes but look come on I mean this is the lesbian 
project podcast. True. We've got to get lezzard up here. Shall <laughs> I tell you? Lezzard, what getting lezzard up as you as we speak, Julie. You probably you go, you go first. You go first. Here's my lezzering. Well, I just before you lezzer, we should thank people that have subscribed to this podcast. Thank you yes. very much. Yes. <laughs> lesbians, been... lesbians and normal people. Lesbians and normal people. Oh God. Oh, I didn't say that. Yeah. Um we especially if you've subscribed through our Substack, which we really appreciate, and especially if you have paid us some money, which we absolutely appreciate because all proceeds from this podcast go to our organization the lesbian project um and we will include a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to see what we do um i would also like to thank the person who commented online that um my light bulb above my head has not been changed (laughs) for several (laughs) months (laughs) thank you for pointing that out to me um that's on the video you can see there's a light bulb above my head that's missing so therefore raising the question how many lesbians does it take to change a light bulb you know that (laughs) more than one (laughs) that was absolutely asking for it that joke wasn't it and actually though how much attention to detail do you have to pay to notice somebody hasn't change their well i think it depends on how bored you are by what the person is saying oh dear look nobody (laughs) come back with any detail about our mise-en-scene right (laughs) this is it but i thank you very much actually to the person that tweeted that both you and i are heterosexual divorcees yeah i mean fair enough heterosexual but you're not a divorcee are you julie (laughs) (laughs) as far as i know well seeing as i've never been married that would be a little tricky yeah yeah I would like to thank, I think there was one tweeter called Cassandra who felt so moved to tell us that we weren't real lesbians that she put it absolutely under every post of mine and yours and the Lesbian Projects about our podcast. Um, Thank you, Cassandra, for your service in establishing to the world that according to you, we are not proper lesbians. Thank you. Well, I suppose I've got to go back into my mum now. I'm going to have to tell her I'm not a real lesbian. (laughs) Because you know she's on she's on Facebook, she could see right. this. How ashamed would she be if she thought I wasn't a real lesbian? Yeah, she might have to do some conversion therapy on you. I don't know where oh, it would all end. Well, speaking of conversion therapy, no, we'll do that next time actually. Because I'm we? exper- not actually going to do it. We're just going to talk about it. But let's be clear. Well, contrary to popular um, slurs, we don't do conversion therapy. But I have actually had conversion therapy as an undercover journalist. Right. But I just want to put that teaser out and just okay. say that if Kathleen allows me, because she's the one that wears the trousers, then we will actually be talking about that next time. Shall I tell okay. you what I've been doing? Yes, please do. I've been reading, rereading a book that was published in 1987 that I read at the time that it came out. So then I would have been 25 and mm. it's called Cass and the Stone Butch. Right. Aha. Uh-huh. And it and... is written by um, Antoinette um, uh, Azolikov, and she's from Texas, and she's probably in her 80s by now. But Kathleen, here's what I want to ask you before I tell you what the book is about. Do you know what a stone butch is? Yes, I do. I have looked it up on the internet, <laughs> and I know that it's a butch who does not like to be touched, who likes to do all the touching. Right. So is there such a thing as a stone femme? I think that's called, uh, no. no. No, there isn't. I was going to make try and make a joke about a pillar princess, but that's not 
that doesn't work so no I have no. no idea well look at the moment Antoinette I just had a look at her recent biog she still lives in Texas but she lives with her 10 cats in Bassett Hound so she sounds like my sort of gal and this book which I reread is one of the most lesbian lesbian books you will ever do you mean it's read. full of lesbian sex is that what it's you mean? not it's not th- well I mean there are bits of sex look in these books um because I'm not a great one for I, I don't really want to read about people having sex but I love the kind of crashing waves euphemisms you know all of those kind of things it's hilariously funny so they do okay. have lots of sex but thankfully it's not graphically described in the book which I would find okay. just a little bit of that's just me. That's because I'm not a real lesbian, obviously. But yeah. what, what it does is it looks at the relationship between Cass and another butch who actually, brace yourselves, everyone, mm. there's an attraction. There's a butch on butch attraction lot... going on. That's quite common, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I don't understand. Is that not supposed to be a thing? Because it clearly is. It clearly is. And it's an old stereotype, isn't it, that there is this kind of ridiculous I don't know what um sex stereotypes on acid where it's the high femme and the stone butch and nothing in between and they're supposed to have this attraction of differences and we're going to be talking about attraction of differences a bit later on aren't we when we get to our film segment or our telly segment rather yes we are we are yes indeed so Um, just just briefly this book because I really want those that weren't born in 1987, I would love you to read it. Those that are my age and anywhere in between, I would love you to read it because it looks about how things were back in the day. There is constant bed hopping. They called it non-monogamy or open relationships at the time. But it just goes to show, doesn't it, the stereotype of the lesbian who, the, the lesbian bed death or the kind of lesbian that were all asexuals. I mean, if you read these books, you will mm. see exactly how busy we were, let's just say, back <laughs> in the day. And and it's it's set in Houston. It's set in the Houston lesbian scene, which was very vibrant. And it's, mm, I thought it, it was a taste of history that could be replicated today in parts. But I just want to read you this really brief review that was left very recently by a queer identified woman of the blue fringe variety who said, and I quote, stone butches are often associated with the lesbian communities, but there are trans stone butches and the asexual communities have overlapping concerns with their representation. Who knew? Do you know anything about the world of lesbian sugar babying or lesbian sugar mummying? I, oh God, even those terms just like make me cringe so hard. But um, I didn't until you told me about it while we were discussing what we might talk about. And I looked it up and I found some BuzzFeed articles about (laughs) it. So now I feel like I've got a better understanding of the um, world of sugar mamas lesbian sugar mamas or sugaring Sugaring. and sugar babies Uh, but but please do tell me more Mm. if you must Uh, i i feel i must (laughs) you know because i research the harms of the sex trade and i'm known as a a, you know critic very very hardline critic of commercial sexual exploitation and Mm. i have seen over the years that there have been 
lesbians not very many a tiny proportion that do mm. stuff like order a male order bride can you believe that western women that decide that they want some compliant younger wife and they can't be bothered with the dating sites and so they might order well, I believe one. it I totally believe it especially now I've read this BuzzFeed article but I'll tell you it's more about that in a second horrific but anyway point is that men primarily obviously are the sugar daddies that want to have some young woman a young compliant woman compliant because she's broke or she wouldn't dream of dating this older man and he is obviously wanting a young attractive compliant woman and he can't get a real date because he's a misogynistic pig and so he basically gives her pocket money or some kind of allowance or he might even rent her a flat and there you have it it's straightforward prostitution can I just ask a question before mm. we get into the lesbian aspect of this yeah what's the difference between that and the girlfriend experience well that's a very interesting question and in fact um the only difference is the longevity so the girlfriend experience what men tend to do is and no doubt there's even some lesbians what some men doing. tend to do julie but anyway right so so what these men tend to do yes is that they want a holiday they want to go to the Bahamas for two weeks and they can't be bothered ordering a woman to his room every night when he feels a bit horny so he takes a woman on holiday with him and as fun as this sounds the women tell me it's like a form of torture because she has to um, be there constantly smiling pretending to enjoy herself sleep with him do his bidding have sex with him and so it's constant constant two weeks or however long the vacation is of her just doing what he wants. So that's they're often discreet kind of arrangements. And it might be a dinner date where he takes her out to a work event <laughs> because he's, he's such a sad misogynist. As I say, he either can't get a real date or can't be bothered to get a real date. Now with the um, sugar arrangement, it's often long-term. So it could be six months, it could be a year. It's, it's a de facto, it's a fake relationship where she gets okay. her monthly allowance so that's it okay. but lesbians are up to it now apparently can you believe it oh you've already said you can yes but it's terrible i can believe it but what i mean so what does this well tell us a bit about what you've discovered before we get into like what it means but yeah okay well i can't give you the name of the actual site that i'm now signed up in as a 21 year old with a photograph of <laughs> this is called 20... catfishing this is called catfishing julie <laughs> okay but I think that we'll worry about the ethics of that later bearing okay. in mind what I'm trying to hook um is some not very nice practices because I'm actually after the business owners I do not intend to go after any of of the women um as grotesque as I think their actions are uh exploiting these young women it's the business model I want to understand I want to go after the pimps running the sites and see how it is that they're marketing towards lesbians <laughs> towards our people because as we know you know you can actually be driven by this kind of technology when something has never occurred to you before and the next thing you know there you are renting a flat for some 21 year old anyway so I'm a 21 year old and I'm in a site let's just call it Lesby Avenue right it's, <laughs> let's just call it that what number 10 Lesby Avenue <laughs> number 10 Lesby Avenue and I've already had I can't tell you so many women uh 50 plus uh 
asking me to message them, asking me to get in touch with them, asking me more about myself. It is incredible. And wow. a lot a lot of that traffic will be driven by the um, the pimps that run the site who will just be sending me every single photograph of the sugar mummies that they possibly can to get me hooked in, to get me interested in but the that's fact that not, women. I mean, that's not... I mean, I'm I'm not making excuses for the people that run these sites, but that's just what book dating sites will do: is they will send you the traffic that they think will most interest you. I suppose what was what I found appalling, although I shouldn't, because I know that this I know very well that this happens, is how many women are signed up to be mm. sugar mummies. Mm. It's well, so what? So disturbing. tell me then, and first of all, tell me what you've written in your roughly what you've written in your bio. You just want to laugh at me, don't you? <laughs> I mean, this is. I love how you took on this kind of semi-serious. Oh, what have you? By the way, Julie, what did you write in your bio? Okay, I'm training to be a school teacher. Hmm. Okay. Right? And I live somewhere on the outskirts of London, and I like tennis. Sounds highly erotic. <laughs> and I like cozy meals for two. Oh, that's nice. And, and I like walking. I think you're going to find lots of ladies who are just quite lonely and just want to talk to you because you sound very nice. Yeah, but you Did should you... see the photo I sent. It's hot as hell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now tell me then. Now, when you were talking about the male version. Yeah. Um, you were quite clear that everyone engaged in this is from the daddy side of things, as they say, is a misogynistic pig. But so why does that not apply to the mummies or does it? Oh no! Oh, I think and please, I've got to stop saying that. I cannot bear saying mummy. I know, I know. It's anyway. it's highly, highly, highly problematic, and I do think that they are, it that it's horrendous. Now, back in two thousand and three, I wrote a piece about female sex tourists in Jamaica, and these mm. were largely white European women that went out um, in search of, and I quote, "the big bamboo." It's highly racist, highly. Um, oh. God. kind of offensive across every single um way it could be offensive and I just went in a hard hitting feminist piece of these are women it's different from the men that go out and buy kids in Thailand but my god this is exploitation and it's harmful and it's terrible so I kind of apply the same standard to the lesers doing this mm. and I you know I don't know if you've ever been in a lesbian bar where there's been a lap dancer for the women like a stripper mm. for the women. Mm-hmm. And and it's just so uncomfortable. And a lot of the women feel uncomfortable. Some of them don't. Some of them have adopted a very kind of male stance on this. But I've talked to the women in these lesbian bars who've been stripping. And they have told me they're not lesbians. I mean, some, one or two of them might mm. be. And they're over from the usual countries where there's lots of exploitation and poverty. And they might be from Southeastern Europe. They might be from Southeast Asia. Some of the African um regions and you know this is money and they think that the women leching in front of them are pretty unpleasant they will say though give me a lesbian bar rather than you know a stag night male stag yeah. night. of course they would of course they would well but- uh, the the thing i read in on buzzfeed um was indicating as you'd expect that like quite a lot of younger women would prefer to have uh, a, a woman an older woman giving them money than an older man um and I don't know that that's because they were lesbian I think it's just because they're not 
stupid <laughs> because they're not because the women aren't and, men <laughs> but also they managed to i mean there was a lot of this buzzfeed article obviously hadn't got a critical bone in its body it was mm. entirely taking the whole thing at face value it was unintentionally hilarious in a number of ways but um one of the things that it said was that um you know they interviewed uh some uh some sugar mummy word um oh, no. who um who was presenting it all as a matter of uh like good scheduling like she had a very busy life and it was much easier to have a relationship what? with a woman where she was paying this woman for her time and all the expectations were set out in advance so she knew exactly what she was getting um and the woman in question um the younger woman said that they just spent a lot of time cuddling on the sofa watching netflix <laughs> so like why wouldn't you want to be paid a fortune to cuddle on the on the Get... sofa watching netflix rather oh. than like doing whatever the get a dog get no a but dog. also one of the young women they interviewed said you know that they were very pleasantly surprised at all the sugar mummies that they'd met because there was quite a lot of professional mentorship involved <laughs> tell me more are you serious He's, no i'm serious it, well of course it's sort of what you expect isn't it like paying it forward <laughs> these women say you know i just want to do good in the world so i'm paying this woman to have sex with me but i'm also mentoring her at the time at the same time to be a you know more uh a successful entrepreneur or whatever it is oh. yeah I mean all the bullshit that you'd expect um uh-huh. around it <laughs> there was also two lesbians on there two young lesbians in a relationship who were have on in this article who were having sex on camera um for for a sugar daddy um or several sugar daddies and I was like at this point there is clearly no difference between this and just uh lesbian porn only fans or lesbian porn yeah I mean I don't know what the difference would be um well th- this is the thing with the male order bride stuff so when i was looking at whether lesbians partake in such a quote unquote service and it was really because i'd heard of this from a source in thailand who said yep we get older lesbians coming over here and taking back a young bride and i was obviously appalled mm-hmm. and looked into it further but every single site i went on where it said um, you know, we we match lesbians. We we do single sex um, dating, marriage brokering, and including in Ukraine, where I actually physically went to the mail order bride offices because they're literally just shop fronts in mm. the center of Ukraine and elsewhere. Um, and they were clearly just for men, but they would tell one of the women on their books who were desperate to get out of whichever country they were being married from and basically trafficked from um they they would just say to her okay so I haven't got you a match Bob from Delaware is now taken but here we've got <laughs> Irene Cassie. from Iceland <laughs> yeah so, so it's obvious that you know this is this is a business that it will target German shepherds if they have enough money to pay and so that BuzzFeed article sounds to me like it just took everything at face value surprise oh, surprise it's BuzzFeed anyway yeah yeah, well, that's what did. I've been doing, and I was I was a bit depressed about it, but actually, I did have a laugh at my own profile, so that's something that's lightened my mood. <laughs> well, yeah, now you're just going to have lots of people out there trying to find uh, what's the name again? Oh, you didn't tell us the name. I didn't tell you for very good reason. <laughs> <laughs> You'll okay, never find well. me. And then um, another thing that we have both been doing in the last week is watching 
a documentary on Netflix called Twin Escaping Twin Flames. Um, I recommended this to you, didn't I? Uh, oh, what a it. public service. Kathleen, last week you gave me friends for the first time in my life. <laughs> I watched that. This week you've given me twin flames that I twin kept flames. calling twin peaks by accident. But mm. this is one of the most extraordinary things I've ever seen. How did it you find quite... it? I mean, oh, because I just watch any old crap on Netflix, but yeah. also because I have an interest in um, cults. Uh, I like watching a good old documentary about cults, and I've watched. Ooh several or listen to podcasts like the one Nixon is that it? Yes, Nixon, yes, the yes, one yes. where they there was a bunch of um women getting branded yes uh, with the founders initials um it was women doing the branding as well so I'm always I'm definitely interested in how these things get set up and who who are the foot soldiers and who are the capos as it were Ooh. in these things and usually it's often women that are doing a lot of the heavy lifting in all sorts of ways but there's usually a man at the top yes um and it is the case in this one that so this is a cult um set up by uh, a couple um who have produced the idea that they will f- help you find your twin flame your twin flame is the love of your life and of all your lives forever some kind of mystical eternal union you share a soul with them um, a lot of their members seemed to, they seem to recruit it because these members were just googling twin flame, this romantic idea of having a partner like that, and then would get end up um, losing contact with their families like a year later because they yeah. just based on the fact that they googled that. Um, that so it was run by um, mainly. I, would you say it's fair to say that the the sort of psychopathic heart of it is the bloke? in it the woman doesn't oh. come across very well either but the man is insane as he, she is she is both perpetrator and victim he is a kind of he thinks of himself as a charismatic jesus figure doesn't he i mean he literally uh, thinks he's jesus it comes out in the second episode that he thinks he's jesus but um true. but the the first i wouldn't say the woman's a victim actually i would totally disagree with that but she's just not as bonkers as him uh, hang on a minute hang on a minute i think she is definitely a perpetrator in in terms of her what she does in the cult but i think that she's a victim of his coercive control you can see it all mm, over their interaction well he does seem insane but i don't know i just don't anyway, know um we can, there, we is can a, there is a lesbian angle to this which is why we're mentioning it so for the first episode there was just a lot of sad stories very sad stories of mostly women in fact entirely women um who were on camera having been um lured into this organization given them lots of money on the assumption they would find their twin flame and then over time you know bad things start to happen to them they start to be um, paired up with men and socially pressured into having relationships and getting married to them particular men um and generally in fact uh, oh god another aspect of the first episode was that um because it's part of the ethos of this cult that once you found your twin flame, you should never let them go. Um, This mad couple at the head of the organization will be encouraging women to stalk basically the bloke they think is their twin flame. And there's this poor woman who ends up in prison, uh, you know, after violating several restraining orders because um, these, this mad pair, um, of cult leaders have told her that she mustn't 
give up and that this is all temporary. These are just obstacles that, that she needs to overcome. So that was all that in the first episode. And I was thinking, well, the heterosexual women are really not okay. This is clearly a product of uh, heteronormative culture where women are expected to find the one and all that, all that sort of. Which is why, which is why most of those signed up uh, to, to this cult are women. In Yeah, their... that's what I thought. That's what There's I thought no was men. true. There's and it's true. Men. But then in the second episode, the lesbians arrived and they were in, <laughs> there were lesbians who'd signed up to this too. Um, so that kind of bust oh. my uh, satisfaction that this was a problem of heterosexual women, not lesbians. But then, and I'm afraid we're going to have to give spoilers to discuss this, in a shocking twist, um, the cult leaders clearly by this point um, not knowing what to do in the sense that they've got all these women who they're desperately promising yeah. twin flames to and, and no men no men or like a few men but really not that many enthusiastic men um they start telling like women that they are men <laughs> <laughs> so they develop a whole theory of the masculine energy and the feminine energy which is not that really a novel a theory they um, actually call it the divine feminine and the, the divine, divine masculine. feminine divine masculine and then they try and convince and they actually do convince uh several women that they have the divine masculine about them including one of or at least one of the lesbians, um, and that therefore they're really men and that they should transition, so they do. <laughs> and, I mean, it is crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It's, it's beyond, it isn't beyond belief. Okay, the first thing that I want to say is that at the very end of the third episode, which I don't think we're going to discuss here, so it won't be a full spoiler, mm -hmm. was, was something about um, less than one research shows in the US that less than 1%, fewer than 1% of all people at transition ever regret the transition. And I thought, what? You put, first of all, that's not true. You don't know that. And secondly, you're actually concerning yourself with trans ideology when we've just seen a load of women be duped <laughs> into irreversible surgery and, and hormone ingestion. And this is yeah. your concern? It did I occur mean, to me that there was some, you know, this was, we should sh have this documentary shown Yes. Not that it would per permeate, but, you know, to everyone who's ever said, how dare you say that this is a socially contagious phenomenon, you, you know, and they did actually do actually get some kind of um, trans male, trans man professor in, don't they, from the new school yes. in New York, to, who says something like, yes. well, I've been watching this video and there are quite a few red flags here because what I don't hear them saying is that this is who I authentically am what I hear is them saying that you know this is who I should be you know like yeah. oh okay that's the difference then right um, okay I mean this is the thing and these two people telling us all about uh how you know you you've got masculine energy or the divine masculine or the divine feminine is a very feminized woman standing next to a bloke with a short haircut wearing a suit as if just in case we weren't quite certain what mm. masculine and feminine look like. And, well, one of them and, is Jesus. Well, <laughs> standing next we, to Jesus. This, this was another couple. Oh, well, I see. The, the bloke is Jeff, and he said something like, um, homosexuality doesn't really even exist. If you're mm. too divine masculine, uh, no, if, if you've got masculine energy, and if that masculine energy is having sex, then that means that you're just shaking hands because it's not your twin flame anyway. So... I mean, don't it made, no, that bit it didn't make any sense at all. But well, what what it does remind me of is the um, 
the sort of Havelock is no is it Craft Havelock Ebbing Ellis or, no I think it was Craft Ebbing but it's someone like one of those um 20th century sexologists saying something like the lesbian is the masculine soul heaving in the feminine bosom oh, or something like that but basically you know that really if you are same-sex attracted as a woman then at least one of you uh must be have a masculine in, inner identity in order to kind of make it look yeah more acceptably symmetrical asymmetrical uh, uh- and if if our if our viewers and listeners here are thinking this sounds completely bonkers, just think where you've heard this recently before. There's a bit where they, where Jeff I think was saying that that a woman takes his femininity away from him because she lacked it in herself. He's not meant to be gay. So there's mm. all this weird kind of a deeply offensive conversion therapy going on, and it's actually also saying that. Um, have you heard about Anne's spirit penis? Do you remember that? No. Anne had a spirit penis. Because, Sorry, who's Anne? Is well, someone in the documentary? Yeah, Anne is in the documentary. And oh, obviously this. Well, they're trying to tell Anne that she is really male because, as you said before, they're trying to actually find enough blood. I must have been doing the washing up at this point or something because I don't well, remember this. You could not possibly have missed Anne's spirit penis, Kathleen. I mean, seriously, they were talking about butch lesbians now as being the divine masculine. And Mm. there was this bit that I was both horrified at and also could not actually stop the kind of laughter that you get inappropriately at a funeral or whatever, where Mm. there was two women together. They'd been convinced that one that they were a heterosexual couple and one of the women said, what, are you saying that Victoria is a guy? And he said, no, you are. <laughs> Cue the end of the episode or the end of that scene. And the <laughs> look on her face, because she thought he was saying to her, the woman that you have fallen in love with, because they were two lesbians. They were actually lesbians. He also he... did this to heterosexual women. I mean, he convinced two heterosexual women who'd never had any thoughts of anything remotely in the lgbt arena that one of them was a man and that and that he was her twin flame <laughs> it was but did you see i mean obviously there's a really serious side to this which is the mums that were oh, trying yeah. to get their daughters back from the clutches of the cult and mm. who saw their kids their daughters go through irreversible harm and but also i mean it is it's one of the maddest cults. It's not one of the, it's not even one of the worst cults. Cause like you, I've also got a fascination with how these develop, how they mm. function and who gets drawn in and how they, they remain. And there's some quite interesting stuff in Twin Flames, isn't there? From the cult expert who I think was quite interesting. Mm. But, but then, but what is a cult? I mean, what actually mm-hmm. is a cult? Well, I mean, that's a good question. And I should have possibly reviewed the, uh, standard definition before we did this but I think um, the reason I'm interested in what a cult is and and these documentaries is not that hard to work out I am in my professional life quite often arguing with people who I think are in a uh, um, mindset that is cult-like um, and that is to say the whole trans activist uh, so-called community act like they're in a cult quite often I think there are some differences because there isn't sort of a single leader um in that case and I think traditionally cults are supposed to have one or two leaders um who really utilize the rest of the the group for gain isn't it like basically they manage to sort of brainwash them into behaving 
into totally controlling their behavior in order to extract resources from them. Um, and I don't think that's going on in transactivism. But one thing that's clearly similar is the way that any critic whatsoever is dismissed as a, in quotes, hater. Um, and that's a common feature of every documentary I've ever listened to about a cult. At some point, um, the critics will be dismissed as having bad motivations in order to um, convince the people still in the cult that well, it does a number of things. One of the things is it's just easy to get out of arguing with these people because they're badly motivated and they hate you. But secondly, it also um, increases the paranoia of the people in the cult, which keeps them bonded closer to their leaders because um, they think the world hates them. So they're taught to to think that the world hates them. And you can see, obviously, in some famous cases of cults that that's gone to um, absolutely catastrophic conclusions, like the Jonestown um, massacre, where they, you know, they become so isolated from the world that they lose all sense of like what's real. They're completely under the influence of their leader. Not why? that that's happening in transactivism, but you know, it's well, a why spectrum. Is, why has there never been a lesbian-led cult? That's what I well, want. Well, has there? How do you know there hasn't? Well, I often look for them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should start one. <laughs> yeah i'm not sure on what premise really why do you so what have you found then have you found anything that looks like one no not at all i mean obviously there are that their charismatic leaders are men as you say that there's a lot of women in very senior positions who do the legwork who do the recruitment who do who keep they're kind of like the house mother sometimes they're known mm, as mm -hmm. they keep the subjects within in line and they also give them that kind of love and and they soothe their brows when they've just been raped for the 18th time by the cult leader who says he's, you know, Jesus is impregnating her or whatever. I mean, there's some terrible, terrible sexual abuse that yeah. goes on in cults. Yeah. But this one, this Twin Flames, didn't seem to be. It was purely a, a financial business model, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Of selling courses online as to how to get your true soulmate. And, and that's why, as we said, women... Um, go along and you don't get the men because they're on dating apps and you know they're not particularly looking for their soulmate and if they were they certainly wouldn't be paying thousands of pounds mm. to do that but you know it did remind me of um a piece I wrote in a magazine a few years back about and it was nothing like a cult but it was certainly a scam where it was a dating operation it was a come and speak to Lindsay, who is an expert on helping women and men find their true love. And we went along to this, I took my niece with me, the poor thing. So she could be the kind of heterosexual to my lesbian, because they said that they also, um, you know, will find the love for, for same sex attracted people. And it was in a four star hotel near Victoria station in London. There's mm -hmm. something about four star hotels that are so grim. Give me a two star, there's, it was just an awful, awful place in the ballroom. Okay. And it was full of actually really desperate women. And we paid a fortune to go there, which thankfully the magazine paid. And you weren't allowed any booze, which was made it for a very long night. And it was full of absolute baloney. I mean, none of it made sense. It was all a complete and utter hogwash. And this Twin Flames is like that, but on mm. some kind of crack. I mean, mm -hmm. how the hell have they not been um, sent to prison for this? No, they I couldn't work that out. No, they haven't. In fact, they're still going. I looked at their website and they're still absolutely going. And all the all the characters that emerge in it 
as sort of um, leaders, like there's some weird army psychologist who uh, counsels people supposedly about trauma, mainly, mainly by convincing them that they're, they've been sexually abused in their childhood and that they need to disassociate themselves from their family, but she's still involved. So yeah, I don't know how they've got away with it or what laws they might have broken, but um, it is really sad. I mean, I'm not judging because I do think I can understand why if you're really, really lonely, you want to cling on to some kind of hope. And of course, the more money you put in, I assume the less likely you're going to be critical about the, what you're getting because you don't want to, it's like sunk costs, isn't it? You don't want this to. is just absolutely appalling. But I have to say, much as I was horrified at the stuff that goes on in there and the desperate mm. situation of the mothers trying to mm. crack the cult and they were brilliant in one woman in particular who you know you know the woman I'm talking about who mm. was just saying I've got nothing to lose I'm just going to carry on mm. I'm going to try and get my daughter back and then the solidarity and friendship between the women the mums that were working together apart mm. from that I mean it also made me laugh out loud with my mm. eyes just hanging out of their sockets <laughs> I know. it is isn't it amazing oh. human nature is amazing <laughs> thank what? god for netflix that it can show us <laughs> i know i mean what what else have you got for me kathleen because the thing is i finished watching that now i've watched uh, friends to the point of where i can take no more because it is very dated isn't it and i've um, read i've read my how, novel how do you feel about um like those kind of high octane document uh sports documentaries bit always they're sort of based on the on the format of um drive to survive but there's one on the tour de france for instance i really I've already seen really it. like those you have you recommend yeah you gave me that other recommendation listen you've got three credits from me you've given me three solid recommendations all of which worked out and i just don't think that i've returned did the you like the tour de france absolutely loved it there was something yeah, about it's because it's it's not about that sport is it i mean it, it is but it's it's just <laughs> about is. the it's about the it's about the insanity yeah. exactly and the excitement and yeah anyway but I don't think there's any particular lesbian an angle to that but yeah I would totally recommend the Tour de France Unchained. Maybe we should end on a parody. Maybe we should end on the fact that there was a joke circulating around Twitter today or X as it's now known. I must get used to that mm. and. They were kidding, they were cracking up laughing, were all these feminists and gay men talking about how a man has been appointed as the new chief executive officer of the Endometriosis South Coast Society. So yes. endometriosis, do we all know what that is? Yes, it's a, a gynecological disorder where parts of your womb lining migrate to different parts of the body I mean this is my understanding of it it might not be that technical but um it's very painful it's something only women can get I believe I mean on account seem... of the womb yeah on definitely. account of the womb yeah yeah um although someone's gonna some bright spots gonna write in and say that like one <sighs> in seven million men can get endometriosis fine yeah, but yeah in you know overwhelmingly a female disease or disorder and a trans woman is now a, tra a trans woman who is very um misogynistic well I would yeah I've, I don't know I don't know how to gauge but basically a pain in the ass on the internet always uh 
um, seeking controversy and uh, trying to bait various feminists, including you um, and people like me all the time. So I've no idea why that would be a professional choice for a CEO, let alone of a female organization, a, fem a female um, oriented organization about endometriosis. Female biology. I mean, what is, what is wrong with women's, some of the women's sector? That's the question. I, I mean, I, I started off saying this was a parody because obviously regular people that aren't unfortunate enough to be have directly involved in this stuff would automatically think it was a parody that you would appoint a man to that role, however he defines. And why on earth are these handmaidens? And I'm sorry, I used to really hate using that term, but I am using that term now. These women of whatever age and whatever feminist or not persuasion are just rolling over and accepting this dangerous ideology at the expense of women. This is appalling. What's wrong mm. with the women's sector? It didn't well, used to be yeah. like this. I mean, some of the women's sector, I think, obviously, there are, yeah. we, no, we all true. know exceptions, but... Clearly, what part of what has happened is the professionalization of the women's sector. It's become like a destination employer for a generation of young women Ooh. and men <laughs> um, who see themselves as very aggressively progressive and don't think, you know, females are a thing anymore because they think it's much more progressive to think that trans women are women and really have a kind of mission about them. Um, and they're being rewarded for it. So let's face it and i mean we in the spheres we're in and the normal world this will look ridiculous yes. but in another twitter bubble somewhere close to our twitter bubble you know that we don't have access to because they've all blocked us this will be presented as a major victory for social justice um and i we can't seem to like influence that perception because the more that we talk the more that, that we just confirm their ideas that we are horrible old bigots so good luck well, to them. I mean it's like turkeys voting for Christmas as far as I can see it really is and all I can say is and all we can reassure ourselves with is at least we are there for the lesbians and we're there for all of those as we say that want more lesbian in their lives yeah we are okay well should we say good night on that note I think we should <laughs> okay see you next week bye